Hello, Blunders, and welcome, welcome to episode number 87 of Real Blend, a podcast that came up with some amazing alternate endings for El Camino. <laughs> oh. movie that... And people only could read our text thread. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Jake and I, I went I'm off convinced. the rails. I'm convinced that this is how some that some of these endings are, are legit. <laughs> and I kind of want to see how they go. Um, my name is Sean O'Connell. I'm the managing director here at Cinema Blend, and I'm thrilled uh, to be joined, as always, by my illustrious co-hosts. And I'm going to start this week with Kevin McCarthy of Fox mm. 5 in Washington, D.C. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Hello, Sean. How are you? I, I appreciate you always starting with me, by the way, because it just really irritates Jake. It <laughs> what the it, shit? It's just really funny. Because <laughs> like last week, you were like when I was right in the bat. when I was in traffic, you started with me last week, and I wasn't even at the on the beginning of the show. <laughs> oh, I, no, trust me, I'm keeping score. I'm it keeping score. And the next yeah, time we all plan to get together, I'm gonna be like, oh yeah, guys, I'll be there. And they're like, oh, sorry, I want you to just have fun with the person that you choose first. Someone please do a tally of how many times I've started with one or the other person. Someone's going to do it. One episode, the one episode where Jake started it and and everyone hated it. Yeah, that's (laughs) the only that's one of the biggest reactions I've ever gotten for doing anything in my entire career was don't do that. You suck. Well, I am uh, also introducing Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Hi, Jake. How are you doing? Uh, Reminder, Blenders, that we have a giveaway. Um, We have a prize pack that we're giving away from the studio. Uh, because they love the blend game and they love seeing all the interactions that you guys are doing on social media at the Real Blend account at Real Blend, that we are going to be doing something really fun. This is for the film Gemini Man, and we're going to have a Will Smith story uh, later on. And the boys did some Gemini Man junket coverage. So to enter this giveaway, because we want to give you guys some cool prizes, go to the website bit.ly, that's bit.ly backslash Real Blend X. Gemini Man. And again, we're going to put this on social media. We'll put the link out on social and you can um, tweet along with this and find out how to win. Uh, You've all been so good at supporting the show and signing up for all the stuff that's going on. It's going a really long way towards promoting the show and getting us involved with studios to uh, let you guys know like the types of movies that they want to promote and the fact that we have these really great games that everybody engages in. So go on and and enter for a chance to win the Gemini Man giveaway pack. And we will, let's see, we're going to announce the winner next week, Gabe, is that right? Yes, next week we'll announce the winner. Um, boys, I'm sorry to tell you, you're not eligible for the for the Gemini Man pack, unfortunately. What? But Kevin's mom, you are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Kevin, yeah, can my Kevin's mom legally enter? Is that is that possible? No, the, the much younger CGI version of your mom is able right. to enter. Yes. Yeah. And she looks the, the exact the, same. <laughs> my mom doesn't get into very that movie young. with you guys later because I have to go see it tonight. It's either that a, or Adam's family tomorrow night. So can I give a quick shout out to my tell mom you this, real fast? There's a film. It is a film. It has a beginning. It is a film. Yes, give middle, a shout out to your mom, Kevin. What are you saying about your mom? All I wanted to say, my mom and dad went and saw Joker over the weekend. I know we're going to get into the box oh. office about that. Um, but I, something that I've, I I love is my parents always took me to the movies as a kid. That was like a major tradition for us. It was like everything we would do. Like we would go as a family. I remember power going out. We'd go to the movies, whatever we would do. So every single week, my parents go to the movies at least once or twice um, based on whatever they want to see, whatever's big out there. Um, and I always look forward to the text messages I get from them prior to the movie and, and after the film. But Joker was the one I was really looking forward to hearing what my mom and dad had to say about it. And like I, I, I talked to my mom and dad on the phone for like a long time, like going over all these crazy theories. Like 
my parents are so into this, just like we are. They, they, they listen to the entire Joaquin Phoenix podcast. Uh, they, they were referencing things in the interview that helped them in experience the movie in a different way, um, which was kind of cool. So like my dad recognized the shot that I brought up to Phillips about the, the kitchen shot when the camera moves slightly. Um, so it was just a shout out to my mom and dad who do listen to the podcast on a regular basis. What's the most that you've ever disagreed with your mom and Ooh, dad? Oh, that's a great question. I'm trying to think. I mean, I know... My mom has a really big sweet spot for like Beauty and the Beast. So she was a bigger fan of the live action adaptation than I was. I don't I if I have to sit on that for a second. That's probably the most recent memory. Like my dad didn't love Joker. My dad was like uh, was very um lukewarm about it, but then after our discussion, he kind of opened up and started liking it more. So I hmm. think the theoretical elements that people have questions about when you when you talk about them, it creates more of a uh, understanding and or um, bigger vibe of what you thought about it. So shout out to my you mom. Know, and speaking dad. of shout out to your mom and dad. Speaking of talking more about Joker, I forgot to even mention at the top of the show that we're going to have Todd Phillips on this show. And um, later on the show, Kevin and I will explain how we managed to wrangle that. And we wouldn't have been able to pull off having Todd Phillips on the show if not for. Joaquin Phillips, uh, Joaquin, <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix, <laughs> who helped us out a lot. They're together. They are Joaquin Phillips. So we're moving on. All right. Reviews. Uh, at the top of each show, we like to read reviews that you guys submit. You can submit them in multiple different ways. You can go to our iTunes account and you can leave us a review there. You can also go to um, RealBlend at CinemaBlend.com, the email address, and you can leave us reviews. And this new one comes from Tony in Canada. Hello, Tony. Tony says uh, in his subject line, this show is as entertaining as the films that you guys cover and says he stumbled on you guys while studying for finance finals. I love hearing you guys gush and give awesome, thoughtful conversations about one of my loves film have spent my morning workouts listening to a bunch of your old episodes. And I've been watching a number of films from 2018 that I didn't get to based on your guys insight. Love the QT interview, especially. That's great. Thank you, Tony. We really appreciate you listening to the show and especially catching up on old ones. Um, a reminder, if you guys want to go and leave us reviews, we will read them at the top of the show. We still have a bunch of ones to catch up on and uh, and we appreciate all the feedback. And share, of course. That's the one thing I've been saying too. Like, we've been getting picking up a bunch of followers on the Twitter account. I share? think a lot of people, I think that, well, like share the show. Like let oh. people know that I'll, I'll, I'll if you like this us. show, no, like the singer? You thought I meant yeah. like the singer? I actually thought yeah. the exact same thing that Jake did right now. <laughs> I, I was like, why didn't you tell oh, us that Cher followed us? Yeah. No, no, no. I just mean like if you like the show, um, tell other people who you think would also like the show. Because yeah, one like of the Cher. ways people are starting to engage in the show is through this weekly poll that we're doing. So I'm I'm supposed to put a poll up every Friday morning. Ooh, what's your favorite Cher movie? I don't think I have one. Moonstruck? Maybe Moonstruck. Yeah, it's got to be Moonstruck, right? I mean, how many other movies does she have? She was in one of the Mamma Mia films, right? And she was in that really bad movie with Christina Aguilera. Nine? Oh, yeah. No. No, no it was Wait, something no. else. Burlesque? Burlesque? Something like Did that. Did Gabe just say that? Was that Gabe who what's, said that? What's nine? Nine is a Dana well, uh, Day-Lewis with uh, oh, yeah. Sophia okay. Loren and Judi Dench and Nicole Kidman and okay. Fergie. It was also terrible. Anyway, yeah. weekly polls. That's another way that you guys are able to engage with us by voting on topics that we put up that then become conversation starters here. And last week's poll was what is the most anticipated movie of October? Now, also, you of, chose some weird movies. Well, I didn't want to choose Joker because it was out already. Yeah, right? but that it could still, be, it could still be people's most anticipated. 
Well, not only did I not choose Joker. First off, why am I taking the heat for this? Gabe, you do the poll for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> who, who chose uh, those movies? I chose Whenever I saw movies, those choices, I, I was like, what? The, I, I don't, don't take responsibility for choosing the movies. And I didn't choose Joker because um, it was open already. Then I chose Judy, which people were nice enough to remind me opened in September. Yeah. So it's not an anticipated Christ, October Sean. release. But see, personally, I haven't seen it yet, so it's still anticipated hey, Sean, for me. did you have Endgame in month? there? <laughs> yes, I did. Okay. All right, I was I just had curious. Gemini Die Hard Man. was an option for some reason. He had, he had Pulp okay, Fiction well, in there. Some people voted for Judy, for God's sake. Citizen so Kane. I alone. Some people are still anticipating it. Uh, all right. So here are your choices. And Kevin, you tell me which one you think won. Judy. <laughs> Judy. <laughs> Gemini Man. Mm. Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. Ooh. Or, and then I put Other for the fourth one, and then people would have to tell us. Other, how, oh, as in movies that actually come out in October. <laughs> well, if you put if you put Other, does that mean like jo- everyone just chose Joker? I mean, I guess Reboot would be the one on there that I think most people would say. Well, Reboot won. Yeah. Actually. With thirty six percent, and then other got thirty five percent. So it was one. It was one of those two. And the other. When do you guys um, see it? Uh, I don't have a. Sc- I, I think I'm going to be at the Shining Hotel when Kevin Smith comes to Chicago. Are they doing a screening of it? Like I don't. Have yeah, a he's doing. He's it. doing a Q and A. Well, they're doing. Oh, okay. He's doing the the road show, but then they right. are doing a Fathom event where I believe they're showing reboot one night, and then they're doing both of them back to back. I think think it's the 15th and 17th of this month. I think it's next week. So if you're a fan and you can't make it Mm -hmm. to the road show, which is a bit more expensive than the actual Fathom event, you could see it that way. Um, I mean, but most cities, I mean, I'm, I'm, (laughs) I, I've met Kevin Smith a a bunch of times, but I'm still, I still bought meet and greet tickets to meet and greet (laughs) him and Jay uh, at the road show. uh, When they come to Virginia, they're coming to the Arlington Cinema Draft House. Uh, If anyone knows my area, you know that that venue's pretty cool. Um, But yeah, apparently they have like, it's going to be cool. So if you're, if you're a fan of Kevin Smith, just look up, I think it's rebootroadshow.com. It'll give you all the information. And Kevin won't do this for himself. So I'll do it for him. My new fun uh, activity to do is to find Kevin Smith interviews and watch until he name drops Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> it usually <laughs> it doesn't happens, take long. It happens a lot, yes. I got it really funny, too, that Kevin Smith, um, for the longest time, he was the hockey jersey guy, right? Yeah. Now he's that purple suit, that purple uh, the jacket The maroon guy. jacket, right? The purple jacket. Yeah. What, what, what is that jacket? I have no idea, but he wears it everywhere he goes. But there's got to be a story behind it. The, the hockey jersey made sense because it said, didn't it say Smod on it or Smodcast? And yeah, it was, and it was like, his picture and the sense. Batman logo and all that. Yeah. Right. I'm now it's the purple jacket. It's got to have a meaning. You're right. But he wears it everywhere he goes. I probably should know that. I'm a huge fan of his, but I don't know. Well, yeah. Ask him at the roadshow because you'll see him. You'll meet yeah. him. Um, here's what people voted for when they picked other. Zombieland uh, 2, double tap. People said Joker. A lot of people said Jojo Rabbit. Uh, and as Gabe wants me to remind everybody that all of those titles do open in October mm. and, uh, and and not September, like like Judy did. So uh, speaking of Joker, let's talk about the box office. Huge weekend for Joker. Uh, the film did $96 million domestically, $152 million uh, internationally, which meant $248 million worldwide for the R-rated uh, standalone Joker origin story, a movie that, you know, the more that this happened, this at first it was like a surface level thing. And now it's to the point where it's making me really angry. Like people are willing 
bad things to happen at the theaters, right? Like if there's any kind of disruption, people are jumping on it, making yeah. a headline. Some guys were like smoking, smoking. cigarettes yeah. at it. And, and that became like a headline, like enough about trying to will this stuff to happen. It was just a movie that opened and it triggered a lot of conversation. I mean, I saw strong opinions on either side from people who thought that it wasn't as serious or um, noteworthy as the movie maybe thinks that it is, and other people who thought that it was a, a masterpiece and and Joaquin was great. I love the fact that it's triggering all this conversation, but I am very surprised at the box office, though. Are you guys surprised that it did as well as it did? Uh, no. I felt like going into that weekend, I had a pretty good... I mean, just, I feel like the buzz on this, the, you know, my, my phone lighting up with people asking me questions about it, people coming up to me at work asking me questions about it. Um, a good vibe sometimes, uh, how much, and Kevin, you can attest to this, you know, because we air junket pieces every day, and, and sometimes uh, an interview with a celebrity airs, and people are talking, and they're kind of doing their thing while it, while it's airing. But when Joaquin was speaking on my at my station, people were quiet because they were listening to what he had to say. People were interested in this movie, and for me, the best thing to come out of this box office is the fact that we might be like this might be the new wave of comic book movies that we get. We might start getting more Logans and Jokers, these like kind of one off real raw r-rated less worried about world building and more worried about and then you get i feel like you have the potential to get a-grade filmmakers not not that the rousseaus aren't great great filmmakers or, or james gunn but bring in some massively hard hitters who go will go look i'll, I'll do a one-off and i'm not going to listen to studio notes about setting up uh, a world because i'm not interested in that i want to tell one story and i want to do it uh without you know chains on and i want to do it r-rated and i feel like with the box office that this got, uh, I feel like we're moving in that direction. I feel like that's right, two, the direction that we're going. Two things about that, though. Um, one, only certain characters warrant that. You know, I don't. I don't necessarily know. I need to see Mister Freeze, directed by Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> oh my um, god! How great would that I be? I would actually watch. I know. I want to see that movie. Amazing. But two, studios so desperately want franchises. Dude, you know, you they don't an want R-rated Bane. See, I'm ar- I'm already my, my my mind is already racing here. I'm thinking about a Mr. Freeze movie. <laughs> yeah, I already I really, have a pro- I already I already have a product placement tie-in scene with the requiem for a dream do, score in the background. All he has to do is walk into a 7-Eleven and get a Slurpee and then just look down and laugh. That could be a great like product placement moment for Mr. Freeze. Okay, yeah, I'm That's over so- it. <laughs> I'm down. Terrible. I'm over Terrible. this. Terrible. Uh, but yeah, I get your point. Totally. You know, if they have the courage to, and even just the sort of business sense to say, do we want one, you know, good hit that's going to generate this type of money versus, you know, trying to, trying to launch a, and, a, a movie that produces sequels. And props to Warner Brothers, because I feel like between something like Joker and then something like It, which, especially It Chapter 2, which are kind of off the beaten path. Yes, they they come from very popular source material, but they're still off the beaten path, hard R-rated films. Yeah. And yeah. This, rather than Especially. try to dumb them down into a PG-13 version, the studio trusted and went, you know what? If we're going to do this, let's do it the right way. And I mean, it chapter one, chapter two, and then Joker all paid off handsomely. And hopefully that's telling Warner Brothers, hey, maybe that's what we need to be doing more more often. Right. Yeah, to answer yeah, your question, Sean, I wasn't surprised. I, I thought it was going to hit a hundred. Um, just you based on so the, close, so close, it was so close. Uh, I know the original projections were around eighty or so, um, and I and I'm very happy it made the money that it did. I mean, to me, like Jake said, it's it, like when Deadpool hit, 
Deadpool opened the door for Logan, right? So Deadpool, yeah, you know, so. making over 130, whatever it was, million dollars opening weekend for an R-rated superhero film. Um, and then you had, we got Logan, uh, you could argue you got Logan as the result of the box office of Deadpool. And then, you know, that, and that's the fascinating part about this. People want grounded, Logan specifically, grounded, darker material about their superheroes and villains because it, 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 it puts it in a, I, I, I would give more credit to Nolan, even though Dark Knight was 13, um, that really was a, 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 a transcending film for genre, but also grounding it in a, in a reality that felt like you were watching your superheroes and villains within a real world scope. And I think that with then Logan obviously happens. Joker, Joker is a, we've said this a million times. I can't believe a major studio released this on over 4,000 screens. I mean, it is a film that normally you would not see. It's a risky, ambiguous film that leaves it wide open at the end for anybody. Even Joaquin Phoenix doesn't even know exactly what's real and what's not real. And I think that's pretty impressive. Um, So box office wise, I think it's great. I want to bring up an interesting point. I think that they, maybe they didn't know this when they greenlit it, but I think they're really hoping that, you know, Joaquin specifically keeps them in the best actor race. And this will almost transition into our next point. I don't necessarily know if he gets in. You know, I think I, he wins. I, I, I think he wins. 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 No question. Wins. Oh, it's over. Really? Dude, he's going to win the Oscar. It's over. It's over. Oh, yeah. Dude, dude. You, oh. Did, you did this with Bradley Cooper last year. Well, first of all, Bradley Cooper last year, I still think deserved to win. Okay, wait, but and we, we have this wait, argument on. every year where I go, dude, hold we haven't even seen everything yet, man. Hold on a second. Well, I've seen, I've, I actually have seen a lot of the movies you that are- You have seen a lot. Are, okay, first of all, Marriage Story I've seen, which is supposed to be a big one for the actor race. I've seen Uncut Gems. I've seen, my, my, my point is though, and I think- Sandman's great. Wait, Sean just said something even crazier than I just said, Jake. Sean just said he might not even get it nominated. I agree <laughs> with Sean more than, than I agree with you. I, I think this what? year the best Did actor race is nominated? so stacked. I, I think it is possible that Joaquin Phoenix does not get nominated. That's insane. And I say that because for every person that loves this movie is a person that freaking hates this movie. There's no way that Joaquin and, Phoenix and, and does while, not get nominated. While no, I don't think anyone can deny... That Joaquin Phoenix is amazing. I think if you don't like this movie, and there are plenty of people who don't, you don't rank him as high. And and, and I my question is: Is it an Academy movie necessarily? Like, is the older branch of the Academy going to get behind a performance like this when there are so many other? Like, no matter what happens. And listen, I think he deserves a nomination, hundred percent for sure. I think he's amazing. That's not my that's not my qualification for this. I'm saying there are so many people who are contenders for best actor specifically this year, that no matter what happens, when those five names are announced, there's going to be some very oh, talented yes. people on the outside looking in. And I think, I honestly very do, th- I actually do agree with Sean that Joaquin could be one of those people. I hope that's not the case. Like that, that, that's genuinely probably my favorite performance so far this year. I would be really uh, uh, heartbroken for him to for him to have turned something like that in and not get a nomination for it. But I agree with Sean 100%. There are going to be a lot of people who are told over the next three months, you just gave one of the best performances of the year, and come Oscar nomination morning, they're not going to hear their name read. I I, com- I completely disagree with the idea of him not getting nominated. I think he's 100% getting nominated. I think he's going to win. Um, but and nominated. Kevin's been right on this stuff more than 
then you and I both have all the same He said, kids. what are you talking about? He said Bradley Cooper was 100% locked to win Best Actor last year. No, but I remember there were a couple of categories it. last year that Kevin said, like, he's like, oh, 100%, that's going to happen. And I was pretty on the fence. Well, I statistically, if you say 100% for right. everything, eventually you're going to get it right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Fair enough. You guys can laugh all you want, but I guarantee no. you, you will hear Joaquin Phoenix's name on nomination day, and you're going to probably hear it's, it on It's the, not that I Oscars. will be surprised if he gets nominated. I just think... Right. We very much live in a world where he could not get nominated. Um, like I'm not saying Taron Egerton, you yeah. know, for Rocket Man. Yeah. Like that's someone who's kind of on the outskirts. Yeah. Tell I, me, I'm gonna help Taron Egerton would be the Golden Globe is going to help Taron Egerton. Probably. Oh yeah, for sure. Tell me one person who yeah. is more of a frontrunner for Best Actor in a movie you've seen right now. Well, it doesn't matter. Okay, I won't argue. No, 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 no answer me the question. Why well, it doesn't have to be a movie I've seen? No, Jake, answer the question. Why answer does it have to be a movie I've seen? Because we follow DiCaprio. the Oscars. Di- DiCaprio? DiCaprio. No, yes. I don't, see, I, I, see, I think Joaquin gets in over DiCaprio. I think Leo's so good. Why, why does it, I don't understand why it has to be a movie I've seen. Because right now, what everyone is saying, and I granted, I haven't seen the movie, but right now, everyone is saying Adam Driver. Okay, but I'm asking you. Out of the movies that Jake but what, but what Hamilton... Is, what does it have to do with whether the movie I've seen? It makes no sense. This is my question. This is my but that, question but that, but that, that, that makes no effect on the no, argument. Well, we all follow the person. Oscar race. I'm asking you a personal Eddie Murphy? question. What about Eddie Murphy for Dolomite? Eddie Murphy? I think Eddie Murphy's potentially a challenge to get in. And I think this, if he gets in, I think he's a front runner to win. Because I think we live in all a right. world where people want Eddie Murphy to have an Oscar. He's the story. That's the story, yeah. right? All right, Sean, since Jake refuses to answer this question. Um, he uh, does. Sean, he's very adamant about not answering this question. It's weird. Out of all the movies, Sean, that you've seen, what yes. is who do you think is the current front runner to win Best Actor this year? Why does it have to be the movies we've seen? <laughs> we follow, Sean, the, we all you, follow Sean, the Oscar races for a living. Um, my answer is, oh God, it would be Leo if he didn't win recently. Okay. Um, front runner right now out of movies that I've seen is probably Joaquin. However, I will agree with Jake. In that there's two names that if they get in, they become really interesting stories. Eddie, uh, Murphy. Eddie Murphy and Adam Sandler. Am I oh, wrong in I that agree. I am hearing everyone say Adam Driver is the front runner? I have not seen Marriage Story, but that's the that. headline I see. I'm not hearing over that he's a front runner. I, I, fo- I'm about, fo- I follow. Oh, I'm sorry. And there's one other. Whole, there's one other name that I'll throw out. Whoever emerges from um, Irishman, if it's De Niro or Pacino, it, right? Well, so they're, they're going to put Pacino in supporting. Steel. I've heard Pesci steals the movie. I've heard De Niro's actually a little quieter, um, meaning that I, I've, I've heard Pacino steals it from Brad Pitt, the Oscar. Uh, oh, that's interesting. I've heard. See, OK, so this is interesting um, to me because I think it's crazier to say that Joaquin won't get in versus Joaquin will win the Oscar. That's wild to me that you don't think that but, he will I get mean, nominated. there is a stack of 20 actors who are all thinking they're going to be nominated for best actor next year. By the way, every time we all say I've heard from somebody, it's just the three of us talking to each other. So we all just hear it in our text chain. (laughs) So, but yeah, no, but okay. So one name that we have not brought up in this conversation leads us to our next point. None of us think Robert Downey Jr. is getting in. And on the Howard Stern show Nor should he. All right. Well, let me finish the story first. On the Howard Stern show this week, uh, he said that he told Disney in, in essence- uh, don't campaign for me for Endgame. And I think some people sort of noticed there were like some four-year consideration campaign ads coming out and it was a lot of VFX 
uh, below the line type stuff. I think they are going for best picture, having come off of the the Black Panther nomination last year, but they were not going after Downey for actor. We had a little conversation before we got into the show today that is, is it possible that Downey saw this field that we just spent the past few minutes arguing about and realized he might not get into it anyway? Um, because I know they pushed hard for Michael B. Jordan, you know, last year for Panther. They wanted to get him a nomination. And um, I, I thought in, in any other year, I would make an argument that in a way that you recognize someone for a larger achievement, Downey could have gotten recognized for all the work he's done as Tony Stark, right? And this even Endgame was the movie that gave him the opportunity to do the most acting, probably, in the role. So if you're going to recognize him, if it were a weaker field, per se, uh, I wouldn't mind so much that he got in. But I think based on everything that we just talked about, he's not cracking a five, uh, you know, with this performance. Uh Kevin, you disagree with that or you you think he belongs in? Oh, I think he belongs in for sure. I think it's a brilliant performance. And I think the culmination of the emotion of those films since Iron Man 1 to now, um, I understand. And we all know that the Oscars don't necessarily give a person the Oscar for the certain film that they're being nominated for. It could be a career award. It could be a make good award. Um, I still, you know, I mean, there's so many classic stories of that. I think Robert Downey Jr.'s performance as Tony Stark and Iron Man throughout the 23 or throughout the MCU um, emotionally uh, is some of the best work I've seen. And I think if anything, I think he should have won for Infinity War if he was going to get nominated or win for anything. But I, I do find that because the film is a superhero film, unfortunately, while they gave Black Panther a Best Picture nomination, um, in my opinion, the nomination that, that really was deserved last year was Michael B. Jordan, as you mentioned. But Black Panther got in, which is totally great. It was a, it was a big monumental moment. Um, but I... I understand Downey Jr.'s idea of not wanting to not wanting them to put his name in, but um, it is a very stacked race. And I do wonder if it was because of how good the year has turned out to be. I do think Robert Downey Jr. deserves an Academy Award nomination for playing Tony Stark. And I think this would be the film to do it for. Do you know what I would like to see more than Downey getting a nomination? And I don't even think they don't do this anymore, but they used to. I would love for the Oscars to give an honorary Oscar to or what an achievement Oscar, I guess, to Kevin Feige. I think That'd for what he has pulled off over the last eleven years, eleven years, right? Um, I feel like that should accumulate into an Oscar because then they used to do like uh, like uh, like a achievement Oscars back in the day. Oh yeah, for sure, and especially like in his role as a producer. Yeah, the Academy. I, would I feel like yeah, because I mean right? he he. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. You know about Marvel more than I do, but like he weaved this story. Maybe he didn't write oh, the scripts. Yeah. Maybe he didn't direct the films. But he weaved this baby, and uh, and I I think uh, this is the this is the year. If you're gonna honor, if you're gonna honor somebody, right. give it to give it to Feige, right? Yeah. No, I would agree. I don't think that that's well. I mean, that could actually happen, and the Oscars would do something like that to help telecast ratings, right? Like if you said, right. "Hey, we're gonna do something to recognize Marvel," that's the way to do it. Um, Which they still yeah, might. it is know. ABC, so they still might. Oh yeah, that actually makes me. Does Endgame get a Best Picture nomination? No, I feel. I I mean, it does. Honestly, I think it does. I feel like this year for movies just went up to an eleven. I mean, I mean, remember when like how how much I did not want to put my top ten list together back in London? What in June? Because I I hate I didn't like anything this year, 
And now I'm the time that Tarantino quoted you. Yeah. Well, both of us, um, uh, which, which blows my freaking mind. Um, but now I have probably five locks on my top ten with a slew of movies that I'm looking at going, there are probably 15 movies coming out that could be on my top ten. Do you know what gets a picture nomination before Endgame? Uh, Rise of Skywalker. If Rise of Skywalker is truly great. I don't think love so. Of God, let it be great. I'm if sure it's it'll be great. truly great. But Endgame... I think it's going to get nominated just because it's the end. Interesting. Dude, the reason, the same reason Game of Thrones won the best show at the Emmys this year in drama is the same year that Endgame would be nominated. Well, but that by that logic, Rise of Skywalker gets nominated. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a forty-year awesome. saga. Yeah, yeah but see, Rise of Skywalker doesn't have the. See, here's the thing. Here's the difference between Rise of Skywalker and Endgame. Rise of Skywalker is part of a three as part of a trilogy that just started three years ago. In the sense of, we, you know, this has been a you know forty whatever year span, but this yeah. this specific story, this three story, uh, is not as anywhere near in the scope of a twenty-three story picture that ended up in Endgame. I'm not saying Star Wars isn't big deal of course it is but it's not it hasn't been as consistent over 10 years like and like at the end because well, they weren't has. planning it from the beginning like right. it, no, it, it wasn't like george lucas back in the seven you know like no I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you i'm saying it's not like yeah. you know and that's why i mean in a uh, the, the marvel I don't, you know obviously i like star wars more than I like marvel but the marvel achievement is arguably a little <gasps> bit more impressive uh just because i mean if lucas back in the 70s had been like okay here's my plan for freaking episode eight and we'll make that in 40 years, then I, you know. Um, Did he know Han Solo's backstory? <laughs> you know what? You know, <laughs> guys. <laughs> Sean, I'm going to ask you a question right now that is probably going to be just as hard for some people as picking their favorite child. Um, oh. I already know the answer for Jake. So there's okay. no need to answer that. Plus, I'm still waiting for him to answer my first question, so we'll wait for that. The first question is um, stupid, and it makes no, it makes no sense. It's not a stupid question. It's actually a great, great question. No, it makes um, no sense. Why? Because, because you asked a question to get me to answer Joker, because you know no, that I they Because I haven't seen as much. That was, that, dude, that was, a very, that was a very pointed question. That's not true. Your favorite movie of the year is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So yeah, how but, would I have not you, known that your answer would have been You know that DiCaprio. I think Joaquin Phoenix is better than DiCaprio in, in this year. Okay. Here's my question. But, but we all follow. Uh, <laughs> all right, Sometimes some shows it's best for me to just sit back and let you two go. <laughs> Jake and I spent the whole weekend together. We're, we're, this is how brothers fight. Um, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. Sean, yes. if you were given a choice, one okay. of these would exist and one of these would not exist. Like never exist? Never exist. I already know Jake's answer. All right. Star all right. Wars. Or yes. the entirety of the MCU. Oh, the MCU. I mean, I, I would choose same. the MCU to exist. Same. To exist. Oh, so so Star sick. Wars never happened, but MCU yeah. happened. Yeah, the batting average on the MCU is far superior to. I'm Star with Wars you, movies. Jake. Would you rather have had Star Wars happen than no MCU ever happen? Without question. Fuck the okay. MCU. Star Wars all the way. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Jeez, I have, I have one hypothetical you, you are question. On some kind of like anger uh, anger right. trail today. Based because just because there are so many amazing movies, I know there's so many amazing movies and actors that could win Oscars for their work this year. Like some like some truly amazing. If you could guarantee one thing wins an Oscar, one actor with their performance, one movie wins Best Picture, one cinematography, whatever. If you could guarantee one Oscar win. 
for this year, what would it be? Adam Sandler. I know it. Really? Sandler? Because yeah. I just love the idea of Adam Sandler being a best actor. That's winner. awesome. That's awesome. I cool. love that cool. idea. Kevin, what about you? it's an amazing movie and a great performance. So, And to Sean's point, when you see Uncut Gems, it is is a performance that you want to get behind and just cheer. It's like such yeah. a gr- it's a powerhouse performance. Like yes. um honestly, probably Brad Pitt win for Hollywood. That would be mine. That would be mine. I, I, think, yeah. I want some type of and he, and I, I actually said this to Brad Pitt in my interview and and people sometimes will say, That's "Oh, great name you're drop. you're sucking up or you're you're being too nice." I looked at Brad Pitt in the eyes and I genuinely said to him, "I think you're one of the greatest actors of our time." And I and, and I and I love Jesse James, and I don't think he hears that enough because what I, and what I mean by that is, and I said this before on the show, he's such a famous guy that people forget how great of an actor he is. And Jake and I have this discussion a lot about like him being an underrated actor. So mm-hmm. I feel like, in my opinion, to see Brad Pitt on that stage accepting a, an award for, in my opinion, the best performance of his career, um, I think that would be a great validation to Pitt's acting skills rather than just going, oh, my God, Brad Pitt's great looking. He's a big time celebrity. He was married to Angelina Jolie, whatever it would be. I want people to go. He's a damn good actor. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, for. I agree with you. That's I agree with you. Jake, do you have one? Do you have one? It would, yeah, it, no, it, it would be Pitt. No, it would be Pitt for Hollywood. Uh, yeah, I want to yeah. live in a world where, yeah, it's kind of like with Kevin. I want him to know that we know that he's a great yeah. actor. I want Jake, to point I out, too. That uh, <laughs> there is um, we we banked an interview that we're going to run later, so I didn't tease it just yet. Uh, but we will have Ed Norton on this show, uh, and he's going to be discussing his new film, Motherless Brooklyn. We are, we are, and this oh. allowed Kevin because I'm going to trumpet Kevin's uh, horn again because he won't do this. Kevin, go back and tell young Kevin <clears throat> that within a month's time he interviewed both leads for Fight Club. You, you know that's an interesting question because our interesting point because Jake and I have. <laughs> had a lot of discussions about like old school junkets and kind of which junkets we would love to have been at. And I think if I were to have one in my lifetime, it would have been Rodriguez and Tarantino for Grindhouse in the same room together. But the oh, second, nice. That's a good second one. place. Did you do that, that, Sean? No, no, they didn't. I don't think they did one. They did. They that. Did, no, they, no, they did. did. That, that, that was a room did? that existed. Yeah. Oh, I didn't, no. I did not do that. Yeah. These, these are, Ooh, we should really tell existed. him the room that we're getting. Ooh, we'll tell you after the show. What uh, a, room, a room that we're getting coming up. Okay. The um the other thing though would be the Fight Club Edward Norton Brad Pitt room and what I oh. find fascinating about that junket and I wish I could have been there for it was what did and 20th Century Fox that's a hard hard movie to sell what was the vibe of that junket what could they talk about what could they say what things yeah, were true. being asked to those actors um and so yes to Sean's point getting Brad Pitt, and then Ed- Edward Norton was long form. I mean, the interview you're going to hear on Real Blend is over 30 minutes long, and we cover everything from Primal Fear all the way up to Motherless Brooklyn. This, I rewatched Primal Fear last night, and Lauren had never seen it, and I was just sitting oh, wow. there. so good. Wait. I was just waiting for her jaw to drop when Norton starts clapping, and he just yeah. goes into the reveal. He tells me, and I'll tease this, he tells an amazing story about what about how Richard Gere saved that ending. You won't believe oh. what the the studio are initially wanted the movie to end with. Um they were a little concerned about Richard Gere's character being beaten in the sense of like like he wins the case technically. Yeah, yeah. But at the end yeah. of the day he loses, right? Cuz Ed Norton kind of wins everything. You won't believe like how much Gere went to bat to save that ending. 
Like that, that's awesome. That ending that exists awesome. because of Richard Gere, and 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 Ed Norton says that that ending exists because of him. So that's, all right, it's pretty. We cool. are going to have that. That is a great tease for an upcoming episode that we will have with Ed Norton on the show. I feel like this episode is good. Is it just? I feel like this, we're really hitting some good stuff with this episode. It's it's okay. Yeah, it's all right. It's okay. <laughs> except for you not answering <laughs> that question. Up, yeah. yeah, except for that one question you left dangling there. Um, last week on the show, I teased a set visit that I was able to go to. Uh, well, a trip that I was going to. And now I can at least tell you guys this much. Now we're uh, over it. It was a set visit. Um, and I can tell you uh, where I went. There's a lot of things I still can't reveal about it. Um, I can tell you guys oh. I went to Atlantic City, <gasps> and I can tell you guys that it was to visit the set of Zack Snyder's next film, uh, Army of the Dead, which he's filming for Netflix. Um, I think I can tell you who's in it. Well, everyone probably knows who's in it. Um, Dave Batista. Dave Batista is the star of it. Um a bunch of other names that I didn't really recognize. Like Batista is the main person in it. Are there 300 cast members in the movie? No. <laughs> well, no, but there's a ton of zombies. It's a zombie. Uh, here's the premise. And I think the premise is out there. And then I probably have to stop at this. There was a zombie apocalypse uh, outbreak. And um, this is years after there was an outbreak. And they've managed to quarantine the zombies um, to Las Vegas. They've walled the city around Vegas and the, the last remaining zombies are in Vegas. And a, a man who owns one of the casinos says, all of my money is still in my casino in Vegas and I need to get it out. And he hires uh, Batista and his team to infiltrate the casino. So it's a heist That's movie. That's kind of a great premise. It's really and it's like a $90 really million dollar zombie film. What a gonna be on great Netflix. premise. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I I can't give any real details about what we learned at the thing. I can tell you that the, the pre- I can tell you the premise, and I can sort of stop there. Um, but I can talk t- about just meeting Snyder, like just meeting Snyder and seeing him. This is what I love about this, and and I think Kevin, you'll really get geeked about this. Um, he's he. This is the first thing he's done since um, being taken off of Justice League. Like he's been radio silent for a really long time, hasn't been working. Uh, this is a passion project that he'd been shepherding for a long time, was going to turn it over to another director, finally Before realized... Before the days of Dawn of the Dead? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, it was after Dawn that he came up with this concept, and he was sort of workshopping it for somebody else to direct. But it was definitely after Dawn, um, and then realized he just wanted to sort of take it back on. And it was just exciting to see him in action on his set, you know, directing this big action set piece with full makeup zombies, like not CGI. Um, but one thing I did want to point out is that he's making the shift over to digital. Um, and he talked a lot about the benefits of it. Um, and just, but he's such a camera wonk. Like he's so, believe me, you know, he like kind of when you heard Deacons talking about the, the benefits of digital or how he approaches digital Snyder is very much the same way. You know, he's not, mm-hmm. he's not a million takes because he can, it's still all very. And in fact, one of the things that he's doing uh, as a result of this, is he's relying on natural light uh, for most of his scenes. Ooh, and like the Chivo. way that the digital camera, yeah, picks it up, and and the way that it sort of um, transitions into these scenes. So I can report back that it it looks great, <laughs> but I can't give you very many details about it. So I have an unpopular opinion. Um, I think that uh, Snyder's Dawn of the Dead remake is better than Romero's. Um, That's interesting, and I think that. 
that's what makes me excited about him doing a zombie film. Uh, it's other better than the made. Fact. It's better made, but like Romero's is like a, a groundbreaking achievement. Sure. But I mean, it's, just, it's the same reason why I would say like, I think Vertigo is a better movie than Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane paved the way for a film like Vertigo. Sure. But I would rather, I think Vertigo is a better story. So sure. it's in the sense of like, I think it moves better, but um, I understand what you're saying though. But I think Snyder, Snyder is one of my favorite filmmakers ever. Um, I will constantly defend him because I feel like he's in that Michael Bay boat where people just assume explosions and certain action levels. Uh, he's made some slow motion. Yeah. Made some films that weren't necessarily, I still think the nightmare scene in BVS is one of the coolest tracking shots I've ever seen. In my I love Batman life. versus Superman. I want to see that movie. Well, his Me cut too. of it too. Like his, the yeah, extended and, director's cut is such a better version. And man of steel, obviously. But I mean, to be honest, uh, one of the cool things about our text thread and you know, we're, we've all been doing this for a long time. Uh, Sean longer than me, Jake longer than me. Um, but theoretically speaking, we technically should be a little jaded at this point, but I don't think any of us are. Um, and I, and I mean that because of over time people get, you know, used to jobs or whatever. And Sean is just constantly texting us updates from the set. Oh, that was the best. And, oh, and that I'm was just the like, best. I'm just reading the text and freaking out. Like, 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 <laughs> like I'm just visualizing. You could, you could read Sean's excitement and see through it. these digital <laughs> pixels put together to form words. Yeah. It was. I could. See it was it. as I if Sean was screaming about. through my screen. It was the best. Well, cool. like, to be on a set cool. with Snyder, like Snyder to me. Um, I remember interviewing Gerard Butler uh, for Hunter Killer. He was here in D.C. And the way he spoke about Snyder's passion and the way he talks about film on set um, it exactly correlated to exactly the way Sean described his visit to that set, um, which is cool to me because Snyder's, uh, Snyder's persona to Gerard Butler could be a little bit more in the private realm where like he like 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 maybe press wasn't there and he was still that excitable on set just with Gerard Butler whatever they were doing in regards to filming a scene but then if that same energy was transferred to Sean when he was visiting as a press member um that just goes to show to me that it wasn't put on just because press was there that's just who Snyder is when he's that's on who set he is. well I'll give you, you know I'll give mean? you one example yeah. I think I can share this um he was showing his actors but he was showing Batista um, something that he wanted to do coming in with a machine gun, essentially coming into a scene with a machine gun and firing it off. And they do something really neat where they do like a flash, a, a flash of lights because they're going to put um, muzzle blasts in later. Snyder was mm. actually saying he has an app on his phone that you can he can add muzzle blasts <laughs> to stuff because he was saying to his guy, he's like, here's where I'm going to put the muzzle blast in with the, with the app. And so Snyder was on the monitor, you know, mimicking the thing. But apparently there was a meme that happened a while ago, um, and it, it was called the Zack Attack, where people got um, a clip of him, I think it was on BVS, holding um, uh, like an Amazonian gun, uh, and he was in front of a green screen, and all of his fans traced him out and then were putting him into scenes. <laughs> so you would find <laughs> Zack Snyder like green screened into other big battle scenes, and they called it like hashtag Zack Attack. Yeah, Snyder awesome. comes running around the corner to the monitor. He's like, oh, my God, we had a real life Zack attack. Check this out. So he shows up on the monitor that he's like holding the <laughs> rifle. And he's like, I'm, I can't let anybody see this because they're going to turn it into a Zack attack. And then he goes like, running back into the thing to go direct. It's just infectious. Like the energy to be around him was infectious. You know, what's crazy about what you just said is how in tune Snyder is with the Internet. Like, oh, like yeah. he is 
Like, look, I mean, like, even he posted that photo, I think, on whatever it's called. Is it called Nero? What's the name of that Vero. software he uses? Vero. Vero. Yeah. Where, like, it was it was the release, the Snyder Cut photo or whatever, like, that someone had put up. Sean, real fast, I know we have to uh, wrap up, but what was that? Someone put that billboard in New York? Yes. Yeah, so there's a group of people who really want the Snyder Cut released. Uh, they're lobbying hard on their own, and they're raising money to generate awareness. Half of the money that they uh, raise also gets dedicated to the American Association of Suicide Prevention. Uh, obviously, Zach and Debbie's uh, daughter committed suicide. It's part of what removed him from Justice League. And these guys yeah. believe that, well, they've heard Zach say numerous times that he has a cut of Justice League, that he wants Warner Brothers to eventually one day let him release it. So during New York Comic Con, this group of people, <laughs> this, this organized so cool. group of people took out a Times Square bu- billboard that had quotes from uh, Ray Fisher, who plays Cyborg, uh, Jason Momoa and Zach himself and just lobbied for the release of the Snyder Cut. And they were also- What did that cost? Thousands of dollars. I mean, it's somewhere in the three to $4,000 range. And then- oh, I would have thought it would have been way more than that. And then That's I think they donated- crazy. To run for three days. It ran for three days consistently in Times Square. And That's then awesome. they had a booth at New York Comic Con and they had a, um, a sign, a picket, that had said, hashtag release the Snyder Cut. And they were taking pictures with fans who came by- our friend, friend of the show, Rob Liefeld, stopped by the booth and got his picture taken with it. And he did a video uh, that said, yeah, I want it released. Hell yeah. Release the Snyder Cut. Like he's That's cool. fully on board. Kind of like when we had Kevin Smith come on and discuss the existence of the Snyder Cut. So it's Yeah, let, let, it's let's out plug there. that. It's go, out there. Go back into our Real Blend library of episodes. Find our Kevin Smith episode because uh, he gives a very impassioned answer about the Snyder Cut, but also yeah. his movie reboots coming out. So you can listen to that as well. So we have a lot of older major guests who have been on. We got to get Snyder on, though. That'd be awesome if Snyder oh, came on. That'd be amazing. All right. Speaking yeah. of major guests, I want you guys to be able to talk about your weekend because I was trying to track you guys uh, through all of your events. How many people did you guys interview over the course of this past weekend? For which projects did you did you mm. tackle? Jake, we you did, take uh, this. Gemini, Gemini Man, El Camino, and uh, the Kaminsky Method, which is the uh, Michael Douglas uh, oh, right. uh, nice. Netflix series, which I got a, but it's a the fun, timing fun of how anecdote we did it, out of that. Well, how yeah. did it work? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, that's Michael Douglas. It's it's Will Smith. It was how much running around did you have to guys? Did you it, guys it was, have to I mean, luckily, logistically, and this is such like a the first world problem. But but there we've had some weekends where we have three or four junkets and they're all in three or four different hotels. Uh, this worked out very nice in that it was all in the same hotel. It was in the same in the, in the hotel we were staying in, which was great. And uh, there really was no jumping between junkets. Sometimes when it's mixed like that, you'll do two people for one movie, and then you go downstairs to do four people for another movie, and then you go back upstairs to finish the movie that you started with, and it can get a little mixed up. So we did. Uh, let's see. We we got Angley. Uh, for Gemini Man, along with uh, uh, Clive Owen and uh, Benedict Wong, the uh, special effects people, uh, which was cool. To, they gave us a really interesting uh, VFX presentation the morning of the junket. Then we also got Michael Douglas and Jane Seymour uh, for the Kaminsky Method. Have and you guys then, done Douglas uh, before? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Because that's yeah. a great one. Yeah. Oh, he was fantastic. Oh, I got to tell you a story, my, my Michael Douglas story. Uh, and thank God for... Oh, I talked to you guys about... Um, uh, about whether or not I should ask that one question yes. to Michael Douglas. And it went and, well. And uh, it, it, it went surprisingly well. And then we got uh, Aaron Paul for El Camino. And then oh. that night at the red carpet is where we got um, Will Smith. Uh, Kevin and I yeah. had a great moment with Will Smith. Um, that well, your day, answer that, went viral. Jake's answer went viral about Will Smith and the Matrix. It was a short, yeah, it was a short little blip. But but it was, and, and here's the deal about, for people that know about, about red carpets, 
Uh, it's 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 feast or famine. It's you're you're, you're on the carpet <laughs> for multiple hours, and and everyone here knows it because everyone here has done it. You are bored out of your mind for about 99% of your time there. You're sitting around. You're just waiting on people to show up. That final 1%, you're more stressed than you've ever been in your entire Uh, life. Because whether or not you have a story depends on how the next 90 seconds go. And you got to – not only are you stressed – you got to when if you can get a question, you got to get the word. You got to put one word in front of the other. You got to make sense. You hope for a great reaction because that's all you're going to get. And we're talking a Will Smith movie, and that's the only time we were getting him. So uh, he showed up late, and once he got there, he did what a, a movie star should do, which is spend time with the fans. The sure. downside of that being us, us, uh, us, j- you know, jaded journalists, and went well. Hurry up and come over here and talk to us. <laughs> but that's so, what makes uh, him so popular. Him, yeah, Bruce, exactly. Tom yeah. Hanks, all so, those guys spend so much time with fans. Yeah. By the time, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna set it up and then let Kevin take it away. By the time he got to sort of the pit, which is not like the national feel, because like all the national, the E's, the extras, the entertainment tonight, the access, they get sort of um, you know standees, their own stages to to talk with him on, and then the rest of us are sort of in this pit kind of all squished together, kind of with our hands up in the air with a microphone. By the time he got to the pit, we heard the the words that you hate to hear whenever you're doing a red carpet, which is, I'm sorry, guys, we got to group you. And what that means is you're no longer getting him one-on-one. We're putting him in front of about 10 people. All of you shove your mics and one of you lucky assholes gets to ask a question. And so Kevin and I look at each other because Kevin and I, we are, you know, not to like pat ourselves on the back, but we are personalities on our show. My, my show doesn't want to, get sound from someone else asking a question. They want to see me asking Will Smith a question. Um, so we look, Kevin and I look at each other as in like, and luckily this, the studio put us together on, uh, on the carpet. Like, how are we, how are we going to pull this off? How are we going to do this? And Kevin, I'll let you take, take the rest of the story away. So that day itself was absolutely insane. I, I want to set some kind of stage here to kind of give the idea of our minds uh, because the night before we see Gemini, man, we're prepping for our interviews on Sunday and then as Jake said, Sunday morning, you're literally there interviewing Ang Lee, which was iconic for me. Oh, I'd never yeah. talked to the guy before. I mean, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That was a, I mean, the, the emotions are kind of what I want to display here. You know, we're going back and forth to Clive Owen. Jake's geeking out, geeking out with him about Sin City. I'm talking about Children of Men. We're just kind of having like a field day with these gigantic people that we've loved and watched over the years. Then you jump up to Kaminsky Method and you're sitting down one on one for five minutes with Michael Douglas. And you're talking about everything. <laughs> Who from is a freaking down. class act, by the way. Right. Class Stands act. up, meets you at the door, um, sat there and talked to me, asked me how DC was. And he what, says your how, name. Yeah, we talked about that, and, and and then he uses your name in the interview, and then when you, then you go over to Jane Seymour, and she's talking all about Doctor Quinn and and somewhere in time, and all, and, and it's just like this weird day of like crazy classic filmographies. Then we go up to Aaron Paul, and we get to interview Aaron Paul for for a Breaking Bad film, specifically only asking him Breaking Bad questions for five minutes, which is even more insane. <laughs> yeah. um, and then when that happens, it's so great. right, and then, and then that's kind of the end goal, right? When you get a junket for a some type of spinoff or sequel, like Halloween, for example, was a great one because all you have to ask is original Halloween questions. You don't have <laughs> right. to even go into the new right. one um, because Jake and I, everybody, we all spend our time trying to get bites of these classic movies from actors within 
in some type of connection to the movie they're currently promoting. But in reality, you get to ask anything you want. So then you have a couple hours of downtime and Jake and I meet up for a drink beforehand. We like, you know, just sat down. We like, we're talking and we're going over our questions together. We're rehearsing. I mean, this is how our day is going. We get to the carpet at 445 and it wasn't until seven o'clock that the real action started for us. So it's that two and a half hour mark, as Jake just said, where you're just like, Waiting. I have a flight to catch at 9.30. That's a red-eye flight to get me home to do the Edward Norton interview that you're going to hear on our show in a couple weeks. Um, so, like, and Jake and I, like Jake said, we, were, we, we asked the studio to be paired together because we both know that, we, that how we want our shot to look. We want, both want to be in the shot. For people who don't know and love the behind-the-scenes stuff, when you're on a carpet, generally speaking, cameras can't really get a shot of you with the actor unless there's enough room. So Jake and I are like designing our shot with our photographer. We're like, Jake's going to cheat this way. I'm going to cheat this way. We're going to pass the mic to Jake. And we have these little details that we're discussing. And then Will Smith, like Jake said, gets grouped. And we know at that moment that we are either going to get him or not. And like Jake said, we both have to run him the next morning. And thankfully, where they grouped it, Jake and I were the first and second person of that 10-person group. So generally, someone out of those 10 people was going to ask Will Smith the one question. I threw mine out. Jake wait, threw wait, wait. his tell, out. Tell, tell the, honestly, tell the full story, which is, and I'm not, I'm not trying to pat ourselves on the back. When he came up to us, he recognized yes. us and said, my boys, it's my yeah, boys. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> and he shook and our so- hands. And that's in the movement that I knew in that moment, because he was only doing one question per group of 10 people. I knew in that yeah. moment, we're both getting him. Yeah. And that was the crazy thing. So I know we'll wrap this up, but I mean, it, just that that day in particular was a lot. There was a right. lot going on from a fandom standpoint, a lot going on from just like a movie journalist standpoint. Um, but I mean, that is that's what we do this for, right? I mean, that's a long day, but looking back on it, I'm so thankful for every moment of it. I mean, just sitting there with Michael Douglas is crazy. I know we got to wrap this up, but I just wanted to give a perspective of that. But the fact that you then red-eyed back home to D.C. uh, and then you... (laughs) Uh, did Edward Norton you know, as a sit down too. It's insane. Uh, Jake, what was your big answer? Share your big answer for people who haven't seen it. Oh, uh, well, the question that I asked, because I uh, was the whole, obviously the whole concept of Gemini Man is that there's an older Will Smith and a younger Will Smith, which brings about the very sort of generic junket question of, oh, what could you ask yourself? What would you tell yourself if, you know, when you were 23, if you could say something now? And I didn't no, want to ask that. generic. I like that one. Uh, well, I mean, it's a great question, but by, I knew by the time he got to us, he would probably have been asked that sure. 10,000 times. So I wanted to try to do a spin of that, which was if you could go back to an old set that you were on, uh, maybe an old scene that you shot, give yourself a piece of professional advice to maybe adjust an aspect of your career. What is the set you'd visit? And what's the piece of advice? And he gave a very short but funny answer, which was he'd go back to the set of Wild Wild West and say, hey, asshole, why didn't you do The Matrix? Because <laughs> obviously he famously, famously he turned down playing Neo to play and gym. you know it's a good answer when his publicist is laughing too. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, was... so it, it, it went uh, mini viral, as I say, uh, over the past like 36 hours. I also want to share that um, Will Smith came up to you both and said, uh, my boys, right? And, uh, and yeah. moved on. We're yeah. now running into an issue in the house, um, in my house, that when I'm telling Michelle a story and I'll mention I'm doing something with the boys, she doesn't know who I'm referring to. <laughs> she doesn't know. <laughs> oh my God. 
Yeah, and uh, that's great. Wait, wait, wait. It, that, that's that's like so. Like on junkets, whenever people are like, "Jake, where's your boyfriend?" And I know that they're talking yeah. about Kevin. Or, or or when I introduced Jake accidentally the other day as my wife. Jake. Yes. Uh, well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So wait. So I want to. I want. Yes. I want an example of this. So Sean's wife's name I, is Michelle. So yes. you're, you're having a conversation with your wife, and you go. I will give you a very concrete, a, a very concrete. Oh, example. I can't wait. Um, we go to the Savannah Film Festival um, every single year. I go down and I cover the Savannah <laughs> Film Festival, and my family looks forward to also going. They get to reap the benefits of me going down to cover it. Uh, this year, in particular, we're trying to get the dates down pat, and we realize that Michelle's going to be out of town the weekend that we would normally get to go. So for a while, we were kicking around, like, do I want to go and just bring the boys with me? Because they like Savannah, too, and they would sort of <laughs> enjoy it. So we were having that conversation. It sort of got tabled. In the text chain, meanwhile, all of us are sort of planning on potentially going down to the Savannah Film Festival. And we're working out something where maybe we'll do some dates down that way, potentially get some talent interviews, see some movies, and bring Real Blend to the Savannah Film Festival. That's part of our plan. Um, So then I said to Michelle that night, oh, um, plans are sort of coming together for Savannah, and I think we're going to go down with the boys. And she was like, oh, really? You talked to PJ? And I was like, oh, no, 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 not PJ and Lennon. I'm going to go with... uh, Jake and Kevin and Gabe. And so is that why I randomly got some college tuition money in my account recently? I was like, what is this? Yes, money going to the boys. Yeah, and my lunch was made today. And she yeah. said, uh, we officially have to now start differentiating somehow between our children and, uh, and the If guys you look you in Sean's family room, it's half yeah. photos of his kids and then half photos of Jake and I. Jake like, uh, just, has gone around and photoshopped your faces on some of our, our favorite family know, I actually really have done that. I actually really yes. have done that. Dude, <laughs> all joking Do you remember aside. when we were in that shuttle on our way to Creed in New York and we just kept taking photos of Sean's family and yeah. photoshopping our faces? Yes, yes, that was really... Yeah, because Jake and I were sitting behind each other or in front of each other on a bus from, from Philadelphia to, to New York. By the way, I, I keep this with me when I record. Oh, nice. That's a good one. Kevin is holding up the shot of all of us with Tarantino. Yes, which is a nice one. Okay, This Week in Movies. Let's move on to This Week in Movies. Uh, Jexy. Anyone seen Jexy? Adam Devine's movie? No. Oh, that's like the the Siri. It's like the Siri movie, right? I think so. There's a thing with Siri? Yeah. No? No, Nothing? All right. Um, Adam's Family? Did you guys see Adam's Family? No. Nothing. All right. Parasite. I've seen Parasite. I watch movies for a living. Have you guys seen Parasite? Parasite. No, God, I want to see Parasite. All right, All right I Sean, take take the take this one because I just got oh. invited to a screening that I can't go to because I'll be on vacation and I'm very upset. It's outstanding. Um, it looks wild, but it's one of those movies where I can't give you any details. Like like no. people have said, go into it as clean as you possibly can, um, and I did that. I tried to avoid all the details that I can. Uh, it, I'll, I'll say this about this: I'm not going to give away any plot details. It's one of those films where you have no idea what is about to happen next at any given moment throughout the entire story. Um, it's the director who did um, Snowpiercer. And it Which, varies. by the way, is a masterpiece if you haven't exactly. seen it. And the way that he used that sci-fi element of the train to comment on class and the rich versus the poor and themes like that. That gets explored in Parasite, um, but just in a completely different fashion. He's still obviously making comments about that, um, but it's it, it's a story that is extremely believable, but also extremely disturbing. Um, and any time that you think you have it figured out, it makes such a left turn to keep mm. you completely off guard. Wow. And uh, oh, I'm so, so intrigued. But, People are really discussing whether, so it's a South Korean film, and they're saying it could potentially become the first South Korean film to earn a Best Picture nomination. I wonder about that. 
I wonder. I'll be curious to see how it gets uh, how it gets um, received as it goes throughout the course of the uh, the Oscar campaign. But it's it's really really great. Yes, Sean, Kevin. did you see the viral video from the Gemini Man red carpet where um, we found out uh, the director of Parasite's favorite Will Smith movie? <laughs> no, I didn't. You guys haven't heard about this one yet? No, oh, it's, this one this went crazy viral. That's a great question. I would ask the director of Parasite what his favorite his Will Smith favorite movie, Will Smith movie is. is Para yes. Para Bright. All right, can we talk about Gemini Man? Thank so, you. are you guys able to review it? Is the uh, bar go up? Are you able uh, to there are already it? reviews on social on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, yeah. Uh, Let me check. We ran our review. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we ran our review. The embargo got lifted a while okay. ago. Thumbs yeah. up. Thumbs down. Thumbs middle. Oh, Jake. Yeah, God, it's bad. <sighs> it's it's re- just. Like, like, I it's mean, really bad. It's it's it stands on the shoulders of technology that I don't even think are that impressive. I mean, I okay, was not no. impressed at all with like the young Will Smith. It looked like a video game version of Will Smith. Um, we didn't even see. We were talking about this in the in the text chain before we uh, started recording. Less than twenty theaters are actually showing it in the the frame rate in which which I don't understand why Ang Lee and Kevin, you can educate me on this. Why does Ang Lee care so much about this whole frame rate thing? Because so, because he keeps doing it, and then no theaters show it that way. So then, why does he do it? Because it's it, it just inflates the budget to an exponential degree. So my this is such an interesting thing to me because this is a classic situation that reminded me of exactly what Cameron did on Avatar, where you're putting you're putting the technology and the special effects first, and you're putting the story and the script second. Um, I will say that Will Smith is amazing in the movie. Um, that part, I, I will say. His performance is incredible. Well, that every knock I said, hear about it is just that the story is terrible. Story yeah. and script and visuals aren't great. Um, to answer to, to answer Jake's question, um, the 120 frames per second thing is very interesting to me. Um, I... While I didn't mind what Jackson did on Hobbit with 48 frames, I thought it was an interesting experiment. Um, your mind is so used to 24 frames a second that that is what cinema looks like in the sense of when you put Taxi Driver on, when you put Pulp Fiction on, when you put Forrest Gump on, those movies are moving at 24 frames a second, and that is how your brain perceives cinema. What Ang Lee's doing is he's trying to create a first-person realistic experience, um, which I don't particularly like as a film vo- uh, goer because it, it's more of not the... It's not a movie anymore. You're trying to almost like you're playing a game or you're in a real-life setting. Um, 120 frames a second, the reason why you shoot it in that format, especially with... I, I don't know if it's in 3D 120 or 3D, we, 3D 60. We saw 3D in 60 frames a second, which I can speak on. It, it looks like motion smoothing on tel- on your TV screen. So they're basically, your eyes see at a lot more than 24 frames a second, technically speaking, from a scientific standpoint, uh, which is why movies look a certain way because we're used to the way those frames capture our eyes. When you boost the frame rate up, the way he's doing it, you're essentially smoothing out the image in a way where it's looking more and more like real life. Um, I haven't seen the 120 but I'm assuming it looks extremely smooth, and it's a it's a viewing experience that I don't think is very cinematic. I think it's distracting. I was talking to someone about this. I I don't know who this was, but I, even the guy who introduced the movie beforehand said it might take you a couple minutes to get used to this, right, Jake? Didn't he say that? Yeah, and that and that and was in sixty. We didn't, they didn't even me. show it. And that's the thing too. You're, you're going to let Angley do this, but you're not even yeah. going to show it to press. 
in the way that he wants it to be. So we saw it in 60. And 60 is still a lot more than 24. So I, I, I'll tell you right now, even 60 felt strange. The reason why you go 120 is because then you lose you lose as much of the motion blur as possible. So if you're on a quick action sequence, the more frames you are shooting it at, the more smooth the motion should be. So for example, hmm. if you're in a scene where someone's quickly coming at you or there's a punch flying across screen, you might, you're probably going to get motion blur like you are right now when you're seeing me through the Skype. When you shoot 120, it's supposed to smooth that out and make it more clear. Um, that This is my understanding of it. And any tech nerd out there can, you know, call me wrong if I'm wrong. This is just my understanding of the frame rate element. Um, but it is an interesting thing. Uh, I understand the want and kind of idea of it. It's a first person experience. I was talking to one of the um, uh, tech guys outside of the theater. It's first person, not third person. So if you think about a movie experience, this is kind of what he was saying. When you're watching a movie, you're, 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 it's a third person experience. You're in the theater watching it and viewing yourself that way. The way he wants to make the movie is that you are, you are Will Smith. That's nah, the perspective. Like that. And I think that it, it it's very weird to watch, to be honest. The shots feel like you're watching like Call of Duty. Then there's like scenes. The biggest issue here, and which is what really bothers me, is the mouth and the teeth aren't there yet. Um, we have not gotten to a point where the a eyes CG, have gotten better. Uh, eyes have gotten better, but we have not gotten to a point. This is the first time in the history of cinema that a CGI human plays a leading character. I believe that is the statistic. Um, so if you're thinking about it from a perspective of if that second 23-year-old character that Will Smith is playing in the movie is a gigantic character, he's got to look real. And when he's talking, it looks like like an old Doom video game. Like the mouth does not... Oh. The mouth does not work, Jake. I mean, now, I gotta go. No, to you're, see you're, it. you're you're 100. Yeah, you you kind of need to see it just to see what we're talking about. You like visually, like literally, need to see it. Did the mouth work for you? That bothered me so. It no, did, no, I, I, no, I, I'm no, I'm with you. I'm with you 100. And in fact, I think that's why if you watch a lot of the trailers and clips they've released, they don't are, show him talking. They don't show him talking. It's a lot yes. of like stern expressions in which you look at it like quickly and go, oh, because that looks that looks okay. And then the second yeah. he speaks, you go, oh, that's not right. Gabe I mean, asks, it still exists in the uncanny valley. Gabe asks, the 3D in wasn't the, uh, even that good. In the doc, how does this make us feel about the Irishman? Any concerns at all about the Irishman? So Irishman is de-aging. This is not okay. de-aging. So okay. Irishman is literally CGI of, a, of an actor being de-aged. Of an actor. The, okay. The, so why didn't they just shoot Will Smith that way and de-aging? They did. So Will Smith was shot with dots on his face, but then they right. created a completely digital character. Now, from what I understand, what that means is even his body. Everything is is okay. digital. Like I okay. think a de-aged character means that the face was worked on in a in a CGI capacity, but it's right. still Sam Jackson's performance. Okay, like there. Oh, I see. Physically like from the Marvel. set, his body's gotcha. still there. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, all right. I'm gonna check it out. Well, you guys will be thrilled to know that my screening tonight is um, neither 3D or any additional frames per second. So it almost feels like Paramount is giving up on this as the movie rolls out in theaters. So Jake makes a great point. The filmmakers shot it in 120 frames a second. Nobody's going to be able to see it in that format, except for a select few number of people. Um, right. Most people are going to watch it in 24 frames, just like you are tonight, yeah. in either 2D, 2D or 3D. So that, so that to me is a fascinating thing to think about. If if 99 percent of the your same audience, thing happened last time he did this when he did the Billy Lynn's Billy long halftime walk. Yeah, it, same it, thing it, happened. They abandoned the rollout halfway through. Yeah, I'm admiring Lee. For taking risks and doing things differently, but 
any director and any person will tell you the first thing that matters is story and yeah. that script. And if your technology isn't at the level of your story, like in my opinion, like Avatar, while it looked cool, it didn't age well, but it looked cool. The story wasn't there. So sure. it was distracting to me. It was like a theme park ride versus a movie. I guess a theme park ride would probably be the best way to describe Gemini Man, just a not a great theme park ride. God, I got to tell you, Gabe made me laugh so hard with the joke. Gabe, Gabe came to Charlotte uh, yesterday. I'm going to share that with the Real Blind family. I think some people saw it on the Twitter feed. And we were talking about Avatar and we were talking about Cameron and we were talking about how great it would be to get um, some of these producers and directors for franchises. Like, just like you guys said, like you were able to get Aaron Paul and you could talk about Breaking Bad. And we were thinking like, wouldn't it be amazing to get Cameron to talk about Terminator now that Dark Fate's oh. coming back out? You know, yes, Tim Miller is directing it, but how cool would it be to get Cameron to join the show? And then he would talk about how he's lost in Pandora and he's not gonna have any time to do a podcast necessarily. And we were like, how is Cameron gonna do the junket for that? Like, is he gonna come out at all? Or is he gonna emerge after shooting part five and just be like, well, how did the first three movies do? <laughs> like, what, what happened with them? I was laughing so hard because it's true. I mean, he's just going to be so buried in production and editing on these sequels. But I don't know. We'll see how that rolls out. Um, I'm about to throw it to our interview for this week, which is with the director of Joker, Todd Phillips. And what I can tell you guys is that when we went out to do these interviews and you guys got to hear the part with Joaquin Phoenix on last week's episode and uh, an interview that we're obviously very, very proud of uh, in Real Blind History. This is a big time movie and a great performance by an actor that we all really um, appreciate. And so to get him to sit down for 30 some odd minutes and discuss his craft was great for us. But we were not supposed to get Todd Phillips. The course of his day was booked. He did not have time to sit down and do a podcast and we were okay with that. But after our Joaquin Phoenix interview, um, he had such a good time, apparently, this is what we're being told, uh, that he went out and saw Todd Phillips in the hallway and said, those guys were great. And this, so this story was re repeated to me recently, like, like within a day or two. Um, and I'm not sure if he even told you guys this. He went out into the hallway and he bumped into Todd Phillips and he said, those guys were great. Like, I just had a great interview. Are you, are you talking to them today? And Todd was like, actually, I'm not. Like, they're not on my schedule. And he said, you have to sit down with those guys. So while we were there at the junket, the Warner Brothers people were nice enough to say to us, hey, do you guys have time? Can you just wait around? Like, we can't guarantee that you're going to get Todd, but there's a possibility because Joaquin had so much fun with you guys that Todd is now thinking about trying to fit you into the schedule. And, and the I had to leave. I had goes, a flight. Yeah. Jake was running to a, to a flight, but uh, Gabe and Kevin and myself had much later flights. And so we said, yeah, that's fine. And I mean, to the point where at one point the reps came around to us and said, look, his next thing that he's going into is 40 minutes. And I'll tell you guys that he may come out of that. And the answer could be no, but if you want to wait, um, it, it could be yes. And we were like, yeah, we're not going anywhere. We don't have anything to really do. All we were going to do is go see Rambo later that night. <laughs> so we said, uh, yeah, we'll wait. And we were hanging out. We were talking, we were making small talk with the studio reps. We kind of had questions. We had questions because we thought we, there was a chance we might get them. And then they came in and they said, uh, why aren't you set up? Like, go, like, get set up. This is going to happen. And we kind of scurried and we we got together. Gabe set up all our equipment and then Todd Phillips came and joined us. Kevin, you want to throw anything else in with the story or? Well, it was, it was interesting because looking back on it, I wish I kind of wish we were more prepared in the sense of like going into that day. We did not. I mean, the interview is great um, for what it is. And in the sense of 
what I mean by that is going into the day, Joaquin was our was our only podcast interview. Um, yeah. Uh, and so we had like basic questions also with podcasts. And I think you can tell this in the Joaquin Phoenix interview and, and other interviews that we do. You get a flow going. You're not you don't feel rushed. You know what your time is. You know, you have 30 or 20. Um, and right when the Todd Phillips thing was coming to be. We were essentially like picking up our equipment, right? Running into a room, finding a room to get it. He was wrapping up an interview. We were ve- we had very little time to set up. And the reason I'm putting this into perspective is because I want you to know the vibe of what happened before we sat down. Um, and thankfully to Warner Brothers and Todd, everyone was so cool about it and letting yeah. us get our time to set up. And then Sean and I literally had to go, all right, what are we asking? This, 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 real quick. And then we <laughs> yeah, had, Which is, we had, if you've never been in that scenario before- yeah is unnerving so thank you very much to warner brothers and a very special thank you to joaquin phoenix for securing yeah. the real blend interview with todd phillips all right let's, let's go ahead and start right. first of all thank you for being here um thank you this is a question that i would love to dive in with you because i was i seen it a second time and i noticed the number 1111 on a couple of the clocks right. in the so in the social services office it's 1111 on the clock and then when he beats the time card punching thing up it's 1111 can you talk about was that intentional a uh, coincidence yeah <laughs> is but what do you what were you do you mind am i asking what that meant uh i know i mean it, i don't know it's i think it's a coincidence that it's happened it's, 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 that's two times is there another time too i saw 1040 another time that was oh, it yeah, no, it's but 1111 yeah interesting okay that's very interesting um, <laughs> i'm fascinated by your choice of how to create gotham uh we've seen gotham a number of different ways uh in the nolan films and the burton films even prevalent on television, but right. we've never seen it this way. Um, right. Talk to me about just your idea of approaching the aesthetic of, of Gotham, because to me, it's the first time we got to see it pre-Batman's story. Right. And Batman's not in your story, but we almost right. know for him to be born, the city has to become an absolute cancer, you know, like a, yeah. a hellhole. Right. And that's what you kind of showed us. Right. Yeah. I mean, for us, it was all about creating a, a city on the, on the brink, so to speak, you know, um, Mark Friedberg, my production designer, and myself, and a ton of the crew, you know, we really worked hard at, at, at coming up with a Gotham that's, of course, different than the other movies, but really spoke to a broken down city on the brink. And uh, you're right in that this is something Bruce Wayne's going to grow up in and something he's ultimately going to probably have to clean up. Right. So, yeah, there was a lot of thought put into it. And we shot practically, as you know, in New York um, on the streets. We obviously did some CGI world building, you know, to, to extend things and erase things you have to erase, satellite dishes and certain you know, oh, skylines right. and things, you know, yeah, all, all kinds of stuff that's like every freaking corner has a chase bank. You got to change that, you know. Um, <laughs> Joaquin so, mentioned that while they were, he was doing the stairs scene, the dance down, the teenagers were in the windows giving them the finger and saying, shouting at yeah. That is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that, I think, I think, you know, if I had to balance it out, we, we got a lot more benefit of shooting on the street, but the, the pain of it was not nothing, you know? I mean, you saw it last year with all these paparazzi photos showing up online. You guys probably ran them. 
Um, you know, <laughs> I'm teasing. But you know, like like you know, a normal movie set, you don't see the the Joker look doesn't get revealed by some long lens paparazzi shot on right. on 124. But you were never going to green screen it, or we shoot. just we just wanted it to feel grounded. I, I think I said this to you the other day. We wanted to run everything through a realistic lens and have everything feel as grounded as possible. And part of that was stripping away all the the, the green screen and stripping away all the stages that you shoot on and just taking it to the street, so to speak. Mm. But with that, you get a lot of the nonsense, like teenagers giving him the finger <laughs> while he's acting. And, and Larry's cinematography truly is amazing. We discussed this the other day. I mean, there's shots where he's running down the street and that camera's just moving beautifully with him. Um, I find it interesting how you open the film, um, specifically the choice as a director to give us a scene and then cut to that really cool shot with the awesome font that you use mm -hmm. for the Warner Brothers element. Can you talk about how, what, what decision process you go through when you go, okay, I'm going to open with a scene, then hit it with these credits. When Is you it, say hit it with the, oh, hit it with Warner Brothers Presents and yeah, da, da, da. and like it's well, written like yellow, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, and it's, and, and then talking not to be too technical, like those those titles we filmed out on film and, and laid them back in, so they felt, so if you notice, they even jitter a little, like when you watch an old movie, okay. you know, because they're, they're the, the registration pins are kind of a little oh. jittery. So the title Joker and then Warner's Presents, uh, a Village Roadshow production, all that stuff was, was filmed out on film and put back into the movie to feel like film titles. But, okay, not to go down a wormhole about titles. But that opening thing, really, we, we opened the movie with this old school Warner Brothers logo to tell you that the this, three little red lines. Yeah. That and, that cool. this, and you know, what's funny is you don't realize nowadays, but when you watch old movies, that's what it was, right? It starts with the logo and then the movie starts. Right. Nowadays, there's four or five logos. It's like NASCAR mm. because they have all these co-financing companies that put money into movies because movies are so expensive and they all want their logo on the front. So I had to go to all those co-financing companies and DC, by, by the way, because DC gets their logo. Right. And I was like, please do me this favor. I don't want your logo on the movie, not because I don't respect what you did and I love the company and you guys are a big help, but I want it to feel like this movie came out in 1979. Right. I just want that old school Warner Brothers logo and the movie to start. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they were cool and gracious enough. DC was awesome. I thought DC would be the hardest. They were actually the easiest. Huh. And they got it. Their logos are at the end of the credits. Great, whatever. But they were. that was a big give from all three of those companies um, because it's not nothing. And anyway, so you see that old Warner's logo and then boom, we're in this big wide shot and you meet, you know, I, I always think character introductions are important in movies, obviously. We take it something we think about when we put these movies together. Mm. And just seeing Joaquin in that mirror doing all that stuff, it's a guy who is clearly searching for an identity, searching for who he is. Is he really this happy? Is he really this sad? Mm. Is my life really a comedy or is it a tragedy? You know, that's what that is before we, boom, cut out to the... It's perfectly open. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's a pretty cool, cool opening. And we have the benefit in that, not to talk too much, but it is a podcast. <laughs> no, we want Please. you to talk. Okay, yeah, we have the benefit in that is playing that local Gotham news radio underneath it, mm. which gets the audience very immediately up to speed of where we are, when it is, although it doesn't say the year, you know it's not now, and the conditions in Gotham. We talk about a garbage strike. We hear residents being interviewed on the street saying it smells and it's this and it's oppressive and, you know, all that stuff. You mentioned the all year. that work getting done in about a minute, and it's just like 
oh, this is not the normal comic book movie. You, you know? mentioned the year real quick, and I know that you don't want it to be specifically timestamped. I'll tell but, you the but truth. I, but I find it interesting that you have Zorro in the Game yeah, Blade and yeah. Blowout, which are both specifically 81. Yes, the uh, truth is it's 81. The reason I keep saying late 70s, early 80s is because I don't want to deal with somebody on the internet which is going to come and going, <laughs> you know, that car was actually not out until 1984. Why is that car? So I always go, it's the late 70s, early 80s, and I only say because I don't want to deal with all the well, which movie were the Waynes seeing that night? Were the they, Waynes were seeing Zorro the Gay Blade. Were they really? Yeah. Okay. Which we looked good. up, and that's one of the most wild plot lines <laughs> I've ever heard of in my entire life. But yeah, so on that marquee, Zorro the Gay Blade, which came out in 81, and as you said, Blowout, which yeah, also Palmer, came out. Yeah. Um, how different is this movie if De Niro says he doesn't want to do it? Oh, I, I mean, it would suck for me because I worship De Niro and he's great in the movie, but but we would have found another actor to do it. Okay. I mean, not to be cold-blooded, but but... I mean, every decision, every time an actor says no and somebody else does it, I think the movie's entirely different. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't like to imagine it. It would be different, <laughs> right. but, yeah. It, 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 Only yeah. because it's, you know, you admittedly borrows from a lot of his classic oh, films. Oh, yeah, but I mean, by then, that that we... That we didn't put De Niro in it because of that. Oh, we, we really? Put, okay. Well, meaning oh, wow. it wasn't like, oh, this will make this will allow us to do that. Is right, what I mean. Right, That's right. not why we put De Niro in it. We sure. we did put De Niro in it because it was definitely a nod to King of Comedy. Now, so does he be bristle fun. at all at that? Does he think like, ah, oh, it's too self-referential? I don't. Want no, to. he dug it. He, he got dug it. it. Yeah, yeah, he got it. And to be honest with you, you know, I think if you talk to him or Martin Scorsese, and I don't want to speak for either of them, but I'm just going to guess that the attention that's been given to King of Comedy, which is, as far as a Scorsese goes, is maybe one of his most overlooked movies, and it's brilliant. I don't think it's the worst thing that I have 22-year-old journalists coming up to me saying, Jesus, you know, I watched this King of Comedy movie, never even heard of it last night, blew my mind. Like, I think that's awesome. If I'm, if I'm Martin Scorsese, to have this gem that a lot of people hadn't seen suddenly being talked about a lot, I think it's cool. As somebody who you just said you worship De Niro, um, to be behind that camera directing him in sequences that are kind of referencing King of Comedy, like especially specifically the TV section element mm -hmm. of it, what is that like for you to be behind that camera? I know you're making a movie, you're directing a film, you have a vision in mind. Do you ever stop and go, what the heck? <laughs> it wasn't so much in reference to King of Comedy. It was really for me, I think he's the greatest of all time actor, literally the greatest of all time. So for me, even if I was directing Meet the Fockers, I'd be like, I cannot believe I have Robert De Niro here. You know, like really like- Do you geek out? Yeah, I did. I did when I first met him. I went to his office and I said to him, I said, look, I go, uh, I'm a big fan. I don't want to be a jerk, but I go, I got to talk to you for like 10 minutes just about stuff. Yeah. And then I'll be a grown man. I'll be a professional. <laughs> and I can, I can direct you like a colleague. I can do that, but I have to get like 10 minutes out of my system. And he goes, oh, all right. And then uh, it turned into an hour. Okay. And I mean, literally, we're talking about, I think, Raging Bull for an hour. Are you asking him then, questions? Yeah, I'm just going, like, what about this and why that and da-da-da. I mean, like, you Is know. Is that your seminal one, Raging Bull? Uh, yeah, I mean, they all are. But I don't sure. know why. I think I think he had a, an image of Jake LaMotta in his office that, that I started with. And for some reason, <laughs> we just went in that direction. <laughs> but I could have done six hours on Casino. I could do any of yeah, it, yeah. right? So... So I just got deep with him. I mean, like deep into his stuff for, for an hour. And then finally I was like, okay, 
okay, thank you. Now we can talk about this. And we did. And then, you know, but, but one day, you know, I will approach him again and just do like a three hour session fantasy That's camp. <laughs> so great. Um, <laughs> we know we got to wrap up. So we'll do two quick more. And then oh, I guess cool. we'll, uh, is that okay, one more? Okay. Yeah, go one ahead, more? okay yeah, um, go ahead. All right. Well, we talked to Joaquin about the, the makeup process and the, the final look. And you, you joke about that. Like we were all so curious about how is he going to look? And the image gets out. That was the first thing you put on Instagram. You know, the first official thing that you revealed was him turning into the face. And I think it was, that was the moment where so many people were like, what is this going to be? And then you showed it and they were like, oh shit, I'm in, you know, that's, that looks great. So how, just, can you talk about the process of just coming up with the final look of what your Joker makeup was going to be? Cause Joaquin well, said it was know, like photoshopped on him before. Yeah, of course we, we, we were doing these concept drawings with this guy, Hugh Sciotti, um, who's a beautiful concept illustrator in New York that Mark Friedberg, our production designer introduced me to. And so Hugh and I were just going back and forth and Mark about what that, what he looks like. We know it's, it's a big deal. And, you know, but it's also inspired by the idea that he's a clown, you know, that his look came from his clown look, from his job that he has at the beginning of the movie. So, you know, a lot of the reactions we got on the internet was very much like, man, Joker doesn't have a red nose. Why does he have a red nose? Like, da, da, da. And we just had to sort of put our head down and ignore it and say, this is our Joker and this is why it's like that and because he's inspired by clown. But we didn't do as many uh, versions as you might think to settle on that. Um, Hugh and Mark and, and I really came up, found this look Pretty quickly, I mean, we, we, we probably messed with his wardrobe more than his makeup, weirdly, only because when we saw it, we all were like, oh, shit, that's cool, that's the thing. Right. So it, it, it came together pretty quick, and then we brought in Joaquin and, and Nikki Lederman, our makeup girl, uh, put it on his face, because it's different Photoshop than on a face, and then I, I still remember, I still have pictures on my phone. I'm like, oh, that's, that's fucking cool. And we just kind of stuck with that. That's amazing. Well, we're wrapping up. I just want to say thank you for doing this. Thanks for sticking thank you around. For this, no, thank Sorry you for this movie. Late. You're not late yeah. at all. Thank oh. you for this movie. Thank you cool. for making it. We've been talking about this for weeks now. And I think you truly have directed a masterpiece. Oh, thank you. And I just want to say thank you for telling stories that make me want to go to the cinema. Awesome, so, guys. Absolutely. Cool. Thank, you, thank you so much. Right. Appreciate it. How does the 70 look? Does it look cool? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it looks bonkers. But, you know, you got to, like... I don't know what's the last thing you watched. It, you know, the, the, the flicker, like you got to get used oh, to the flicker yeah. for a minute. It's wild. All right, thank you so much again to Warner Brothers uh, and to Todd Phillips for agreeing to take the time during a very busy uh, Joker junket. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation with him, and especially if you didn't catch it, go back to episode number 86, where you can get our full interview with Joaquin Phoenix uh, in honor of the Joker. Now, we've been talking a lot about Gemini Man and Will Smith, and this week's blend game, we are playing hashtag Will Smith Blend, naming our favorite performances or films uh, by Will Smith. We've had a lot of great uh, interaction with people on Twitter, on social media. And so uh, I've been told that, Kevin, you get to go first in your Will Smith blend blend game. Okay. I'm only going to mention one this one, one movie really fast because I think it's an underrated film that Tony Scott did that not a lot of people talk about that I think is one of my favorite Will Smith movies ever. It's Enemy of the State. Yeah, and that's a good movie. I, Jason Lee's uh, great in that. I mean, it's yeah. it's just really, it's really good. Hackman, that is such an underrated film. And I only say that because I feel like it's it's not really brought up a lot anymore. I just remember seeing it and loving it, and I thought it was brilliant. I mean, Tony Scott was, you know, rest in peace, sir. We we love your work. Um, my I mean, my ultimate, I feel like it's obvious. I, I almost feel like I, I can choose each one of ours this week. Um, and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say them. Ooh, interesting. 
I want to see if I'm right. Um, I think Jake's going to go with Independence Day and Sean's going to go with the first Bad Boys. That being said, um, Bad Boys 2 is no question. And I have not read their choices that I don't even have them. I'm just guessing based on knowing you guys. Um, but uh, Bad Boys 2 is truly one of my favorite action movies of all time. It's a bloated two and a half hour, full blown R rated action film that is mixed <laughs> with perfect amounts of comedy. Paneliano, I, I love Joe Paneliano and Will Smith's vibe together, in that, <laughs> especially when they get back from the boat chase and like they're in. The, my favorite thing is Will Smith turning around, looking at the TV, going, "Wait, wait, oh, you see, you see right there!" Like he's like pointing at the TV as like explosions are happening, and like Joe, Joe Paneliano's like, "Woosa!" Like I don't know that movie. I love Bad Boys too. Um, I just think Will Smith. Here's the here's why it's my favorite performance of his. When you meet Will Smith in real life, he is nothing like that guy. Like that guy, it, it's a very different person um, in the sense of like the way he carries himself, the way he speaks. It, it, there's just something about Mike Lowry. Mike Lowry is 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 uh, is him. And then who? Uh, yeah. I can't remember Martin's Marcus name. Burnett. Marcus Burnett. Martin Lawrence was actually at um, was actually at the premiere for Gemini Man. It was pretty cool. Oh. It was like a Bad Boys reunion. Um, That's cool. But uh, there's a scene in two scenes in bad boys two that I wanted to highlight. One of them is the scene when uh, Martin Lawrence's daughter is being taken to the dance. And this, this young kid comes over very innocently opening the door to Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, um, giving him a really, really funny piece of dialogue. Sean, you know exactly what scene I'm referring to. Reggie. Of course. It's, (laughs) it's such a great moment. Um, and they do the ludicrous line. I mean, it's so funny. I mean, that movie just moves it, it's Do you fun. Know, okay, just to throw out, and I mean, obviously, I don't condone this in any way, shape, or form. But I went back <laughs> to rewatch that scene. That movie uses the N word way more oh. than I remember. Yeah, Holy I mean, that, cow. <laughs> well, that like, movie in particular, yeah, that movie had some, like that movie was very R rated. Like F words. Like sometimes you go back and you think like you can't make this movie anymore today. Like we went on a little yeah. tangent of like you could never pitch that movie. I kind of wonder how Bad Boys Three is going to follow that vibe. Now it's not Bay. But like Bad Boys 2 is by today's standards really uh you know insensitive to a lot yeah, of different and, things. And so to that point I will say I don't condone anything in Bad Boys 2 just yeah, as an entertainment sure. as an entertaining film. It's a movie that I can watch over and over and over again and I think that Will Smith and Martin Lawrence's chemistry is perfect. To me, that's the my favorite thing he's ever been a part of is that Bad Boys 2 film. Let's see how right Kevin is with his guesses. Jake, you chose I chose Men in Black. Oh, and, and, and here's 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 my stipulation. Here's here's what I'll say. No, because Kevin, I do wow. want to give you credit for this. I actually do think Independence Day is a better movie, but I think Men in Black is a better vehicle for Will Smith. Will Men in Black was really for me growing up the first yeah. time that I remember because he's good in Independence Day, but I feel like he's Ooh. just so good in Men in Black and his chemistry with Tommy movie. Lee Jones. Uh, is so fantastic, and it's the first time that I realized not only obviously as a great actor, but like that I realized how much of a movie could be anchored upon his charm, and he is so charming in that role, but he's also such a badass in that part. I mean, he's an NYPD cop before he ever joins the MIB, and his chemistry with a very dry uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Obviously, we know how what he's like in person, and he obviously and also uh, that character is us as an audience. You know, we are all being introduced and he is reacting in such a way that we all wish we could be as cool and as clever and as like we're, he's reacting 
how we wish we could react, but none of us are as cool or as funny or as charming as Will Smith is. And I just feel like <laughs> he he's so unbelievably good in that part. And also the theme song that came like I still think that's a great song. The theme song that came out. I mean, oh, it's that, great. remember that remember when that summer came out? When that movie, the summer that that movie came out. I mean, that 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 solidified the July Fourth weekend as Big Willie weekend. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, and and so it's by no means do I think it's necessarily the absolute best movie he's in. But like I said, I think Independence Day is probably a better movie. But in terms of what makes a Will Smith movie, I think Men in Black is my all time favorite. And one of my favorite scenes is that him on the bench. Uh, and it's actually it's Tommy Lee Jones speaking to him. And he, do you remember that monologue where he says, you know, fifteen hundred years ago, everyone knew. The Earth was the center of the universe. 500 years ago, everyone knew the Earth was fat, flat. And 15 minutes ago, you knew that we were alone in this universe. Yeah. Imagine what you'll know tomorrow. And I just fucking love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Men in Black is my choice. That's yeah, really good. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd argue Men in Black's a better movie than Independence Day. You it's guys remember when they, made, when they made an Independence Day sequel? <laughs> guys I, okay. I got cut out of the Independence Day sequel. That's how right. bad of an actual actor I must be. Jake, be happy. I got cut out. You should be very happy. You don't that want that on your IMDb, man. You're good. Not at all. Neither all right, does well, anybody Kevin, else in that film. Kevin, you're, you're batting a 500 because I'm going with the original Bad Boys. Nice. Now, this is, a, this is an argument Kevin and I have been having for as long as the show has been in existence. Uh, bad Boys versus Bad Boys 2. Obviously, I prefer the the ninety minute stripped down uh, Michael Bay take on Bad Boys. I'm with you, Kevin. I went and saw the original the right Bad choice. Boys in theaters at least a dozen times. I just kept yeah. bringing people back to it because, uh, first off, Bay is just in his element, and the two of them are so great for so many things that Kevin talked about, like the attitude. Got your boarding pass. The chemistry between. <laughs> Martin Lawrence and Will Smith is tremendous. I love too that the the first Bad Boys opens on a scene that's so ridiculously stupid <laughs> that that the movie hardly recovers from it. If let's think about this for a second, they're driving in Will Smith's extremely expensive sports car, the Martin Porsche, Lawrence, right? Yeah, the Porsche. So Kevin, you'll remember this. Martin Lawrence is eating fast food in the car, right? Yeah. And he drops French fry and it goes down between the seats. And, <laughs> right. and Will Smith's character gets really mad. Now, the whole point mm. is that they're supposed to set up that they're an odd couple, right? right? Martin Lawrence says, look, I'm not getting my sex at home. Let me have my fast food kind of thing. <laughs> but when you stop and think about that for a minute, <laughs> at some point, Will Smith's character had to drive Martin Lawrence through a drive through to get this food, right? But right. then he has to act surprised later that Martin's eating fast food in his car. <laughs> like it, it's often like whenever you get a scene in a movie where the characters start having a conversation where they're like, so what are we going to do about the thing the other day? And I always think like, well, what have you guys been talking about for the hour that you've been in the car before this happens? That's interesting. Like, do you not realize that he had to take him through a drive through window to get that food? And wouldn't he say to him, <laughs> don't eat your fast food in my car before they get to this scene? It drives I me nuts every time I I love how deep you're going it. into that scene. No one has ever thought of a Michael Bay movie with such depth as Sean O'Connell did in that moment. The only reason why I didn't want to choose Bad Boys is because it's so early in his career. And there are, I mean, his Pursuit of Happiness, a lot of people said Pursuit of Happiness. It's an amazing, amazing performance. And he's had some great, Oh, when he finds out that he got the job. Oh, yeah. No, I know. I know. He's a a tremendous actor. Much like Brad Pitt, I think a lot of times he gets overlooked. He gets considered more that he's a movie star, more than an actor. But I think he's a tremendous actor as well, too. However. And he's great in Gemini Man. Yeah. He's great in it. 
Also underrated movie of his, Seven Pounds. That's also a really good film. Yes, yeah. it is. So, uh, but but if I'm picking favorite, if I were to pick a Will Smith movie to throw on right now, I would throw on the first Bad Boys because it's, I think it's, it's the boys that are bad. My, my favorite line in that movie is when Martin Lawrence gets beat up by the guy in the bathroom and he's like looking through the, he's getting his ass kicked and he's looking through the fishbowl and Will Smith is watching the dancer dance with her shoes. And then, you know, he gets, he gets totally soaked with toilet water and he finally beats the guy and he comes out and he's all disheveled and le- he's breathing heavy. And Will Smith says, who done tore off and whooped your ass now? <laughs> I think that's the greatest line. So that was my pick. All right, let's land this plane. Uh, Abin Khanna uh, weighed in on social media, said, uh, and Jim Mehta also, and many others, said The Pursuit of Happiness. Uh, Andy Erickson said Men in Black, the first one. Uh, Amanda Young said I Am Legend. Uh, and someone brought up with I Am Legend that much like Hanks and Castaway, he carries that entire movie by himself. You know, he I can't watch that movie. I can't really? watch it with, dog the dog. I, with that dog, no, man. I oh, I can't do it. Oh, I'll never see it again. Yeah, never the same. I can never watch it. I watch it in theaters. And I'll never watch it again. In fact, it was sauce. on at the gym. I was at the gym one time, and I had to, I went actively, walked across the gym, and got the remote and changed the channel because I was like, I can't have this that, on. Yeah, that dog scene, I'm, I can't. I'm sorry. Done. Interesting. Not happening. And Saskia um, says bad boys. So a lot of great choices. Um, a reminder, once again, we're, give, we're doing the Gemini Man giveaway. The gifts are better than the film, I promise you. So head over to uh, <laughs> bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y backslash Real Blend X Gemini Man. You can look at the Real Blend Twitter account uh, or the show description for the link to participate. So uh, again, thank you guys so much for participating in hashtag Will Smith Blend next week. Hashtag 80s blend. Yeah, baby. We have been doing this experiment where we pick um, a decade and we did 60s so far and we did 70s so far and we are up to the 80s. So next week, let us know your favorite 80s movie and why uh, using hashtag 80s blend. You can, of course, do it on social media at uh, the Twitter page at Real Blend. While you're there, give us a follow, uh, share us with some friends, and help us build up that uh, that army. You can also email your selection to realblend at cinemablend.com. Uh, while you're doing that, drop us a review. Go over to iTunes, leave us a review. Uh, and while you are on social media, you can also f- give us all the follow uh, at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, and at Sean underscore O'Connell. We have also, uh, Gabe is saying, in a flurry of... Text messages last night. We believe that we have solidified uh, the next meetup, the next Real Blend meetup. Ooh. And uh, I'm so confident in the fact that we're going to be able to pull this off that I'm going to tease it. Uh, <gasps> we're going to Washington, D.C. We are going to have yeah, a baby. Real Blend meetup <laughs> in Washington, my house. D.C. And uh, Gabe has said, uh, can't Dude, Kevin, can your mom come? Firm details on it yet. <laughs> honestly? Yeah. yeah she Kevin, probably she would. Honestly, she honestly yes. has to be there. I'll Kevin's mom will be there. That's a no-brainer. That is a great idea. Yeah. I mean, she actually has to be there for it. I um, will call her. I mean, honestly, she's always looking to come up and visit, so that would be really funny. We have just guaranteed that, that the four of us are going to get no attention at that show. <laughs> Kevin's mom My mom's going gonna to take every photo with the every, most no, popular no. person. No one's going to be there except for my mom because she's the she's the main fan. <laughs> That's she's the well, only person who listens. The point of the meetup, in addition uh, to going to DC, where we know we have, we have a lot of people who listen to us in DC, and that's largely thanks to Kevin's uh, representation in the market too. But we hear from a lot of people from the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. 
but this will be tied to a celebration of episode number 100. Obviously, we're on number 87 now, so you guys start doing the math a little bit to figure out when we're going to be up in Washington, D.C., but the D.C. meetup uh, is all but... Um, but in the in the in the planning stages. So until next week, uh, we'll be back with Ed Norton. Let us know what you guys thought of the Todd Phillips interview. Still let us know what you thought about the Joaquin Phoenix interview. We still have some amazing interviews planned for upcoming episodes, and we'll be transitioning into some of the bigger October films uh, and the rest of the November films and Judy. Uh, cause it's timeless. <laughs> also Judy. Bringing it back up. Yes. Also Judy. So until next week, thank you very much for listening uh, to episode number 87 of Real Blend and Done share. Kirk. Did you say share? Yeah. Share? <laughs> share? <laughs> share? I swear I thought you said share. Listen to our show. <laughs>